everybody. Tom Black, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. And Keith, we're going to recap the affairs of the Orange Bowl. But I think more than that, we're going to reflect on what was a terrific season for Florida State. There's really not much to recap in terms of the game. You were down 14 starters. Georgia was not. They're a damn good football program. And Florida State is, too. And that wasn't a an accurate reflection of what this FSU team was. I'll start there and let you jump in and we'll take it away. Tommy, I don't I don't exactly know what a horned frog is, uh, but I know how TCU feels because um, it's got to be the same feeling that they experienced last year, making it all the way to the championship game and and then, you know, basically having it handed to them uh, and by the same school, I might add. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing about games of this nature, uh, even if you're at full strength, if, uh, if another team gets hot and gets on a, a roll, if they're any good, uh, they bury you. And obviously, Georgia's good. And then you you multiply that geometrically by, as you mentioned, what was it, 14 actual starters and some 22, 25 players that contributed regularly. I think I read some article, FSU suited up 53 scholarship players out of the 85. Um, you know, it's just a recipe. And I, and I really think uh, I'm not a huge Kirby Smart fan, although I respect him and, and I did get an opportunity to, to be in on a couple of meetings with him when he was a graduate assistant at FSU, although I, I wouldn't say I know him. I was very respectful and he was very respectful in his comments after the game about, okay, yeah, we won big and that's good and we're happy and we, our, our seniors go out with 50 wins. Uh, but that wasn't the Florida State team that went 13-0 and we acknowledged that. Yeah, and that made the wave that he said something's got to change in regard to the opt-outs. And that's one of those things, like a lot of college football, it's easy to say that. We've been pointing out things need to change for a while, but we haven't exactly had the solutions to them. And I don't know how you solve the opt-outs. I will say credit to Georgia for the way they played and for the fact that despite them missing the playoffs, that Kirby was able to get his players to not opt out. I mean, everybody who was healthy played, so they were down Brock Bowers, and that's about it. The guys who were in the portal are guys who weren't regular contributors necessarily. But it's such an apples and oranges situation to me. Nobody has ever faced what Florida State faced emotionally after getting disrespected by the committee and getting snubbed. And we've talked about this. I really don't fault the players. Sure, selfishly, I wish they all would have played, or even if you just drew it at uh, Keon and Verse, who are the likely first-round picks, and said every one of these other guys should have played. I would have liked to have seen that, but I'm not going to be mad at him given the circumstances because I, I just, all along as as the season went on, I just felt like the one ace up Florida State sleeve was go unbeat. It was the one objective thing, really, and I know the rules say you can factor in injured players and available players, but there'd never been an unbeaten team that was left out. So for FSU to get slapped in the face like that, I, I get why the guys didn't show up. And I credit the guys who did, and we can talk about Kalen Deloach and some of the others. Um, it's just for me, it, it it really was. It did feel like an exhibition. It felt like a spring game to me. By halftime, half the crowd was gone. Uh, it, it really felt like you had the first team unit wearing the garnet and the second team unit wearing the gold, and they were scrimmaging, and that's what we were seeing. There were names out there, Tommy, that I didn't recognize. Now, again, I'm not there every day and every week like you are. Uh, and I've not put together a spotting chart on this this squad like I used to when I was doing games. Uh, but there were names out there I didn't even recognize. Uh, in fact, to be 
absolutely brutal. There were three or four guys that are in the transfer portal that I didn't know were on the team. So yes, it's, it was a weird, different, highly unusual, maybe, maybe never to be repeated. Uh, what five or six weeks that this FSU program has gone through, not unlike everybody had to go through it, but not unlike uh, the first two or three months of the Norvell era. Uh, I mean, it, he has had to, and his staff has had to navigate some uh, literally, I think, once in a lifetime um, obstacles. And there's no playbook for that. There's no roadmap to, to tell you how to do that that I'm aware of. No, you're right. He could definitely write a book on it. I mean, coming in in COVID in the first year of the transfer portal and and everything that he dealt with on the front end, starting 0-4, losing to Jacksonville State, turning things around, and then being the coach, unfortunately, of the first ever Power 5 team that goes unbeaten and wins a conference and gets left out of the playoffs because of the beauty pageant that it is. Uh, let me address this, though, Keith, and the the narrative, the narrative, right, from some – is that, see, this proves FSU didn't deserve to be in the playoff to begin with, which is a complete farce because that was not the FSU team that earned the right to be in the playoff. That was a shell of the, that FSU team. Uh, but more than that, there's talk about Florida State must have a culture problem because the, these guys opted out. And I'm just going to say as somebody who's been around the program, now I'm not in the program, I'm not there every day, but I'm around it as a radio guy. Uh, Mike Norvell, holds himself accountable and holds the players accountable. And this is the best shape the program has been in culture-wise probably since the first couple years of the Jimbo era or maybe uh, going deeper uh, into the end of Bobby's tenure. But culture is not an issue for this FSU team, period, the end. It's not. This is all environmental, Tommy. This is, this is all the stuff that's going around outside the program that is affecting the program. I mean, if Florida State were going to play at Wake Forest, okay, and a flu epidemic hit the team, and and 25 or 30 players were, were in their beds with the flu, and FSU played Wake Forest and got beat, yes, you still lose the game. Wake Forest still gets the win, but there's a reason. Well, that's not a culture. That's a virus or maybe bacteria, forgive me, I'm not a medical doctor. That's how I look at this. You know, you've got, you've got transfer portal, NIL, uh, you, know, you know, always buzzing out there. Then you've got the snub as it relates to playing for the championship. And then you've got a team of talent. We didn't have to worry about opt-outs and people, uh, you know, declaring early in Norvell's first year. We didn't have any players. That's one of the downsides of having players. Uh, I'm not sure all of the ones that have declared early for the draft are going to be uh, uh, drafted. I'm not sure of all the ones that go in the portal are going to successfully come out. But you put all of that together, and that is a big environmental, not a cultural, not an internal, uh, but that's a big environmental impact on this squad. Yeah, I just wanted to make it clear. It's uh, because that's that's been part of the narrative, and there's not a culture issue here. And I mentioned Kalen Deloach. You know, I look out there in the third quarter of the game. This guy's in his fifth year, and the score's 56-3 to three or whatever it was at that point. And he's still out there playing as, as really the only linebacker that's uh, logged significant time because the other two had logged significant time weren't playing. And he's still greeting the defense as they come off the field and trying to, to get the young guys to keep their heads up. 
Uh, and he was very emotional after the game, spoke to the team in the locker room, uh, expressed the same sentiment basically to the media. Um, and I certainly appreciate his effort because, see, I talked – well, I didn't talk to him, but I talked to Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, another guy, and he's going to come back for one more year. But they've been here to help turn the tide of this program. And so it was good to see them literally leave it all on the field last night. And I hate for Kalen that he doesn't get another year, but that's the way it is. You went through the end. I mean, when the end comes, it's abrupt. And uh, you could tell it hit him abruptly, even though he was trying to prepare for it. Well, and 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 this is going to sound disrespectful, but I mean it in the most uh, – if uh, uh, the largest amount of pre- – Kalen DeLoach is a college football player. Now, he might try out for an NFL team, but it's not likely he's going to be drafted. If he tries out for a team, it's not likely he's going to make it. But he is a terrific college football player, and I applaud him for that uh, because that's – part of what we're missing in this game that we still call college football, but it's not anything like what we grew up loving. Yeah, that's well said. It's well said. And Ja'Kai Douglas, you know, he's like an old man of FSU football to me too, but he's been a team guy all along. And I thought he looked pretty good. We can talk about that for a little bit. He's, he's a guy who had, you know, he's, been at the running back position, been in the slot receiver. He was a quarterback in high school. He looked comfortable running the Wildcat, as comfortable as you could. I thought Brock Glenn, if you want to talk a little X's and O's, just to see develop – there was obvious development to me from the ACC championship game to the game against Georgia. Uh, I mean, you you could tell this is a guy. He went back. He studied. It, you know, the game is still coming too fast for him. But in instances, it had slowed down, and he did move in the pocket and was able to buy time – found some receivers. I thought that was pretty noticeable just from game one to game two for Brock Lund. Uh Yes, very much so. I mean, his, his maturity uh, really, really showed, you know, his experiential maturity, having having that championship game under his belt. Uh, I thought Portier made some terrific catches. Williamson made a catch or two. You know, again, people will say, well, all right, well, they have great talent. Okay, well, they do, but they're young. For example, Nicholson at the linebacker position on one of those touchdown runs, he just he went in the wrong gap. The only way you learn not to do that is repetition. If he goes where he's supposed to, it's a three-yard gain. He goes where he's, he's, he's inexperienced, and I'm not picking on him. You could pick anybody, and it's a 26, 27-yard touchdown run. Um, that's the difference in the ball game. And then, again, when you get a team with talent like Georgia and they get on a roll and they get confident, you know, it's just going to get away from you. Uh, you know, Florida State lost to Clemson. I think I read uh, in, in 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 one game prior. You know, fifty three to fifty eight to something, fifty three to something. Uh, you know, Clemson had seventy hung on him in the Orange Bowl by West Virginia. You know, ten or twelve years ago, these things happen. Why they happened is outside of Florida State's control, and as a result, I, I just don't read too much into this, other than. Younger kids got an opportunity to play. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no reason to read too much into this. It, it just that that was not the same FSU team. Like I said, it, it felt like a spring game out there. It was good that young guys got to play. Um, it, we were heading this way anyway, but Mike Norvell and his staff have been portal dependent early on because they had to get players in. And they're still going to be portal dependent, but it's going to be a little bit less, I think, each year. I mean, this is the best high school class he's signed. You still need to get six or eight guys or whatever the number is in the portal to plug some some big gaps. I mean, they need bodies at linebacker. They need some some guys up front defensively. 
uh, probably need another OL. They're looking at a quarterback. So they're going to have to plug some holes there. But but over time, I think it, it will become more dependent on on high school and, and not the portal. And not even honestly, I'm not even sure if that's the best way. That's what Georgia's got right now. But who knows what this looks like in this era when guys can just transfer left and right if they don't like their playing time anyway. That's the the unchartered that I talked about. I, I don't know what the recipe is. Um, you know, there are plenty that are fault in Clemson and specifically Coach Sweeney for not embracing the portal. Uh, we have suggested that maybe Coach Hamilton on the basketball side uh, maybe should have embraced the portal a little more than he did. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of criticism that you can make given certain circumstances and situations. But uh, you know, the portals don't, haven't been around long enough for us to understand. I mean, we we knew that we needed an early signing period at the high school level. Okay. Well, we've needed one for 15 or 20 years. And and we just got one five or six or seven years ago, whenever that came into being. So it's going to take a while for us to figure out. That's the part that is annoying to folks like me and obviously reading too much into it, folks like Coach Smart, uh, because we we know this is a problem. We being the collective folks that follow college football, but I really don't have an answer. I got a couple of suggestions. I got a couple of band-aids. I got a couple of we're in the middle of the woods and we don't know what direction north is. So let's just start out in a direction. We'll rule it out if it's wrong. We'll change it and come back. But I don't have a complete answer. And I don't know. I haven't heard anyone else that has one either. Yeah, I asked Michael Alford about clogging the how to declog the congestion on the college football calendar. And, uh, you know, he pointed out that you really can't move the portal, but you you could move the portal window, but you could move the early signing period. And he said he thought it should go to August, which is something you and I have talked about. And he said, but I shared that sentiment and the immediate pushback was, well, then guys will opt out of their senior year of high school after they've signed. And I hadn't processed it, but that's probably an accurate statement, Keith, that that would happen if you can believe that. So I don't know what the answer is. But if they opt out, we won't go down this rabbit hole. I'll just raise the question. If they opt out of their senior year of high school, they can't make the admission standard to get enrolled in college. No, they'll opt out of playing football because they already signed a scholarship. I see. Okay. Well, another another discussion for another yeah. day. I'm just yeah. You're, thank you for saying we're not going down that rabbit hole right now. But when he said it, I was like, yeah, there's no easy answers on any of this. Um, I don't know. You know, for me, as I was standing on the sideline, and you know, Keith, when you're, this is one of the things, and I know there's a ton of angst from FSU fans to ESPN, and, and I get that. But but separate the college football playoff snub and narrative and all that. Anytime you're watching a game, you tend to feel that the announcers are against your team. And I think generally announcers are in favor of a good game. It's a lot more fun to call 31-30 no matter who wins than it is to call 63-3. That said, standing on the sideline doing an FSU broadcast, I really wasn't upset. I was disappointed it was happening, but it kind of felt like that might be the way it goes, given how many guys were out for FSU. I mean, I, I, if you get a few breaks early on, maybe that game is, you know, 31-14 at half somehow if Peyton stays on the ball. But Georgia was the better football team when FSU's missing 14 starters and 30 guys overall. So I'm not going to spend much time reflecting back on that game. I'd rather reflect on this season, which which really was uh, – 
fun season. I mean, there was the, the, the win in Orlando over LSU. Yeah, I know LSU's defense wound up not being good, but their quarterback wound up being way better than we thought. And FSU did a better job against them than anybody. And by the way, beat LSU, uh, you know, two years in a row. Here's a side note, by the way, Keith. I saw when Ohio State lost the other night that they're now 2-12 and 12 against the SEC in the last 14 years, I want to say. It was more than a decade. Ohio right. State won two games against the SEC. And I'm thinking, well, FSU just did that two years in a row. You know what I mean? So now, granted, they play more games against the SEC. But uh, anyway, the, the the LSU game was terrific. Uh, the, the Clemson game and the play Deloach made and to win that in overtime and win at Death Valley. And I know that the, the whole perspective was Clemson was way down. Well, Clemson was down. They weren't way down. They wound up a nine-win team, won a bowl game, won six in a row to finish the year. Death Valley is about as tough a place as there is to play. Uh, that was a significant win. You got wins over Florida and Miami again. It's three in a year, row over Miami and uh, two in a row over Florida. I mean, there, there's a – and watching Jordan Travis play, talking about a first-class kid, I mean, we're just mentioning him now. I mean, there there was a lot to like and enjoy about this past season. And, and defensively, just schematically, finally seeing uh, enough talent and the right kind of talent to run what, what Coach Fuller – tries to put into place and to see it be effective and in fact be dominant in many situations um you know to see what what Norvell's offense can do when he has playmakers you know before Travis got hurt uh, yeah there's a lot about this season uh, it's like everything else though Tommy and and I know this has changed a little bit but one of the things that were used to be very important about bowl games is that you get those extra practices and you get to send your seniors out on a good note, and 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 you win the bowl game that propels you into the off season. And uh, on you know, and if you win it, it propels you in, in terms of, of a positive. Um, I'm not sure how I would do this as the head coach, but I'm almost of the inkling that if I'm Florida State, I don't even bring up the Orange Bowl anymore. We just start over. You know, we we're. we're that one's done. We're going to celebrate the season, but we're not going to pay attention to the bowl game. Yeah, no, I think that's 100% right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mike Norvell pointed it out in his press conference. I mean, there's only three FSU teams in history that got to 13-0. and and, and one of them was this year's team that was deprived a chance to go try and get more and play for a title, right? But, I mean, right. you're talking about the 99 Knowles and the 2013 Knowles, and this year's team went 13-0. and So, uh, it, it was just a great year. I don't, I don't know if you want to add anything about Jordan Travis. He was on the field and, uh, you know, between drives, he was talking to to Brock Glenn and uh, just an incredible team guy. And kudos to him for maturing the way he did and sticking it out and, and being a leader. But there's a lot of guys like that. Jared Verse, I mean, he was here two years and he was on the sideline last night. And, you know, he's a first round pick. Here, here's the stat, uh, KJ, that somebody had. Uh, I think it was Jason Staples who does a podcast as well, and I might not have the exact stat right, but I, it, I think it was yards per play defensively. And FSU as a, as a team defense gave up, I want to say, 4.9 yards per play this year on average. Well, when Verse was on the field, it was 4.1, and when he was, which is top five in the country. And when he was off the field, it was closer to six or something like that, and it, FSU was the 90th best defense. If you just looked at that metric, now I know that's one stat, but the point is, we spent a lot of time this year talking about Jared Verse, and he didn't have big numbers. He made a damn difference. 
I mean, he made a difference. As we've said all along, if you're good, the NFL will find you. And they really don't care what your stats are. They only care about what you can do. And I would agree. I think he had an outstanding year. Maybe not uh, reflective in numbers that, pardon me, that we spend too much time thinking about. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think he had an outstanding year. And every one of the coaching staff, and especially Coach Propucius, would tell you that he was an outstanding leader as well. An outstanding leader as well. Uh, I know Tatum Bethune, they showed a couple of shots. He was on the sideline. Um, you know, again, those are the things that I'm going to take away. Those are the things that I'm going to focus on when you talk about this 13 call squad. Um, you know, the, the bowl game really, really not, I don't think, going to factor in my thought process going forward. Although I will say this, Tommy, I will say this, you know, and, and it, it is a true statement. It's a factual statement that Clemson gave up 70 points to uh, West Virginia, I think 11 Orange Bowls ago, 11 years ago, maybe, maybe 12. Uh, and as I recall, they won two national championships shortly thereafter. So maybe I'll remember that part of it. How about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And uh, I, I think what you said is accurate. This is I'm not sure, you know, when you win a game like last year you in the bowl game, you want to carry it over. It gives momentum. It really gives talking points for the coach and fans to be excited about. I think what you said is right. This felt much more like an exhibition or a spring game. It's not going to be a talking point. The talking point will be FSU went 13-0. and uh, Let's go plug some holes and let's see what they can do this coming year. You know, And that, that leads me to uh, our most uh, important um, – how shall I phrase this? The most important reflection of the year. That's what I'm going to call our prime meridian spot uh, for our last podcast, the most important reflection of the year. Uh, and it's the, the culture and the brand. And, and the bank has done a wonderful job over their years of, of stressing culture and brand. And when you walk into that door, you will be greeted. and You will be offered something to drink and a cookie if you want it. Uh, they will take care of you uh, in terms of whatever you need, from a mortgage to a home equity line to a line of credit. Um, they, they do things the right way because it's the right thing to do. Uh, one of, one of their motto mottos and, and many of the, the, the team members there at primary and have it on their desk is let's think of a food, food, few good reasons why it can be done, why it can be done. So we're proud to have them as a sponsor. We encourage you to do business with them. Primary and bank, two locations in Tallahassee, one in Crawfordville, one out in Lakeland. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Opportunity Lender. Check them out at trymybank.com, trymybank.com. And again, that culture and that brand thing, I think, really showed itself. I mean, I don't know. You were on the sidelines. I didn't see any quitting these kids, even though they were down 50. Now, they were making mistakes, and they weren't making plays, and Georgia was still moving the ball and scoring. But I didn't see any quit. No, I didn't see quit. I saw inexperienced guys out there, uh, you know, and you, you said it earlier, you got to get reps for it to get better. I mean, Brock Glenn made progress from game one to game two. That said, the game was still too fast for him at times. He's a tick late, a tick behind on a throw. That that doesn't, you know, that comes through experience. Uh, I will say this. I, I felt good enough watching Brock Glenn to play to think that if they didn't get somebody in the portal and they said, okay, we got to hitch ourselves to Brock, you know, I, I mean, you might there might be a few more bumps along the way than getting a fifth year guy to come in, but but down the road you'd experience the boom of that. And uh, 
you know, and I like his demeanor, and you can tell his teammates like him. And, you know, the bottom line is he was getting reps the majority of time, not all the time, but the majority of time with the second and third team. Tate and Travis were getting the reps with the first team. Yeah. So now he'll go through spring ball. He'll go through summer workouts. He'll go into fall camp. Uh, depending on what happens, doesn't happen. He certainly, in my, my mind, even if you bring in, you know, a, 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 a you know, a, a transfer uh, quarterback, uh, he's still going to be your number two guy. So he's going to he's going to split reps early on in that competition. Um, and I agree. I think he. You know, you know, you know who he reminds me of. This is kind of high. I know you. I know who you're going to say he, he reminds me of Casey. He absolutely reminds it. me of Casey. I, I knew you were going to say that, and um, and and that's that's pretty high praise. <laughs> I think well, similar height. He's not the you know he's not a six four guy, right? I don't I don't I'm not looking at his dimensions. I guess I could look at him. I don't know I that I really talked to. I think he's I think he's bigger than you think he is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's listed six two. Casey was six one, wasn't he? I think right, listed. right, right. Yep. But uh, it was sort of the gunslinger because they were taking deep shots. That's what made you think of Casey. He's standing in the pocket and he's throwing the ball 50 yards downfield. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, just thinking back, I, I don't know what the draft will have on these guys, but guys who didn't play last night. So, Eon and Johnny and Trey and Jaheim, that's four starters. I would think they're all going to be drafted. They're certainly going to be NFL rosters. I mean, the one who might not be out of that, I guess, would be Jaheim, but I think they're all draftable. Jordan's going to land on somebody's roster, whether he gets drafted or not because of his injury and what that does to prepare him for the NFL. Somebody will sign him, and he'll be on a practice squad at the very least. And then defensively, I, I had heard whisperings. I wasn't aware that that Joshua Farmer and Braden Fisk weren't going to play. I wasn't 100% aware of that. But, I mean, Jared Verse is going to be drafted. I would think Fabian's going to be drafted. And uh, Braden Fisk is going to land on an NFL team. I mean, you had four of your top five defensive linemen in the rotation really not playing. The linebackers, yeah, I agree. Tatum Bethune or Kalen Deloach are not going to be classic NFL linebackers, so I think it's going to be tough sledding for them to land there. And then in the secondary, uh, you were missing Akeem Dent, uh, and you were missing Jarian Jones and uh, your top corner, whose name – I don't know why I've always struggled with this Green. name. Eight. Yeah, 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 thank you, Renardo. I don't know why I always, uh, I always have the wrong name in my head there, Renardo Green. Uh, you know, he's going to land in the NFL. And then as the game started, Keith, Darius Washington, your starting left tackle, went out. Uh, Kentron Portier went out after having four or five catches. And Fentrell Cypress, one of your starting corners, went out. So, I mean, it was just all those guys out, two-thirds of whom are going to be drafted. And then you lose three other guys. I mean, it, it just is what it is. Environment, you know, you can you worry about and control the things you can worry about and control. And, uh, by the way, I, I, I heard a very good sermon this morning, we are taping this right at the noon hour on Sunday, but uh, our pastor at Thomasville Road talked about uh, that there's a big difference, and actually they're absolute opposites between worry and prayer. And so instead of worrying about what's going to happen, how about we just say a short little prayer that, you know, kids keep their heads on straight, we don't have anybody in trouble, they stay good in school, they work out, and we get ready for, for spring ball and, and not worry about things we have no control over. Amen. All right, Keith, we're we're finished, right? Yep. Um, yeah, turn the page on the Orange Bowl. 2024 is here. Happy New Year, everybody, to you and yours. Keith and I will be back on uh, Wednesday for our normal show. We enjoyed this year. Hope you guys did as well. And uh, 
Here's to a great 2024. KJ enjoyed it as always. We'll talk soon. Happy New Year, everyone. All righty. This is Front Row Knowles.